series from 1 Peter. I want to remind us of a couple of things, and then I'm going to draw last week's lesson to a close since we ran out of time. But remember, you go back and you look at the life of Peter. Was he perfect? No. What was he? He was what you and I strive to be every day of our Christian walk. He was a follower. And one of the things that we notice about Peter, the longer that he stayed with Jesus, he was transformed and he was shaped and he was molded into something that he could never become by himself. And so when you look at it, as you turn the pages of Scripture to 1 Peter, what you begin to see and discover is that this letter that Peter is now writing, and he's writing to encourage people that are going through a painful trial and suffering, here's a man who had been there. Here's a man who had done that. And here's a man who is now transpiring and and with the people, he is being very forward with them, and he is showing them, here's how you can live. And here's what you can do with the life that God has blessed you with. And you remember Peter, man, I mean, it's a great example of how you can start life out as just a lump of clay, and day after day after day, just like a potter would do setting at the wheel they would shape and turn and mold and do everything they could with that clay so eventually it turns out to be a beautiful vessel and that's what God does with our lives if we let him do that but you see it's it's a choice that we have to make every day of life and so as Peter begins this letter, if you look in 1 Peter 1, look beginning to Peter, an apostle of Jesus, to God's elect, exiles scattered throughout the provinces of Pontus and Galatia and Cappadocia and Asia and Bithynia, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit, for obedience to Jesus Christ and sprinkling by his blood. So you see, you're being transformed, yes, but you're doing that in such a way so that you can be obedient, so that you can live a life of obedience to the one who called you. And he says, grace and peace be yours in abundance. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy has given us new birth, into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And I want you to notice these things as I read verses 3 through 9. He's reminding us of a number of things which should give us joy as God's children. A resurrection of Jesus from the dead into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief and all kinds 
of trials. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise and glory and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy, for you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Concerning this salvation, Peter says in verse 10, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you searched intently and with the greatest care, trying to find out the time and circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves but you when they spoke of the things that have now been told you by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. And he says, even angels long to look into these things. Now I want you to go back to Isaiah 43 for a minute. And I want to show you, and I love how Cliff reminded us this morning that from the very beginning of time, in the early pages of the story of God in Genesis, do you see what God is doing? He's already laying out that path for us about salvation. So from the very beginning of time, who's he thinking about? He's thinking about us. He's thinking about the world, and he's, he's understanding that the only way that people will be able to come back to me, they've got to be bought. They've got to be redeemed. And Isaiah even talks about this in Isaiah chapter 43 when he says this. He says, but now this is what the Lord says. He who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. The way Peter says it is, you've been chosen. You're God's elect. And Isaiah says, he summoned you by name. You are mine. Well, that is powerful to know that God knows us that close. God wants and he longs so much for that intimate relationship to be shared between himself and you. You know why? Because he sent his son to die for you. We are his. We belong to him and we've been summoned by him. He knows us. That's a beautiful thing to realize. It's a beautiful thing to know that we live in the mercies and the grace of God every day. And I want you to see what happens here. Exactly what happens in our own life. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. And when you walk through the fire, you will not be burned the flames will not set you ablaze, for I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, 
your Savior. In other words, it doesn't matter what you go through, the fire, victories, whatever it is, everything in between, God says, I'm going to be with you because you are mine. I want that to sink in for a moment. And I want you to realize, as Peter is reminding us at the very beginning of his letter here, it's not difficult to think about his process. Everything begins with salvation. Last week I put this picture up of a smorgasbord of food. You remember that? It should be coming up. And as Peter is talking about this great salvation that we have, it's almost like he's just laying out before us all these great riches, just like we would expect when we go through this great buffet line, okay? I mean, we just, it looks so good, we have the problem of where do I stop? Because, you know, I just want to pile it on, all on my plate, because everything looks good. Peter, as he begins, he says, you have such a great salvation that regardless of the painful trial that you may be going through, look at all the riches that you have because of Christ. And he starts listing them. Grace and mercy and a new birth and a living hope and a resurrection from the dead and inheritance that can never perish. We have that protection of God's power and we have a salvation that will be revealed when Christ returns. And he's already encouraged them, you have this joy, and now what you've got to do is you've got to use that joy, and that's what's going to help you persevere in this life. It's not your good works. It's surely not our good looks. The way we persevere in life is we take hold of the great riches that Peter's reminding the readers of then, and we have them at our fingertips even today, right now, as I speak. But you know what's going to happen? We're going to leave this place today. Our young people are going to go through the halls of their schools tomorrow, and you know who else is going to be present with them? Satan. And he'll do everything he can to put all these thoughts in all of our minds that says, we're not good enough. You can't do enough good things. And, and after a while, we have all this negative stuff in our minds. You know what? We start, well, maybe that's true. And maybe because I did mess up and maybe because I have failed that I am not good enough. Folks, listen, you're not saved because of your failures. You're saved because of your sin. A sin that separates you from a holy God. But at just the right time, God comes in the form of His Son, Jesus, and He says, because you're not good enough, I'm going to take your place. And he took our place by hanging on the cross and dying. 
Oh, how great a salvation we have. Oh, how rich we really are. And we're so rich. I love how Peter goes a long ways back in describing this great salvation. And he explains to us that the prophets predicted the coming of Christ. That the apostles and the early church preached Christ to everyone so they could win as many as possible. And he even says, and the angels, let me tell you about the angels, they long to look into these things. And then sometimes I think we forget that we have an amazing privilege as members of the bride of Christ. We know things the prophets didn't know. We've seen things that the apostles didn't even see. And we've experienced something that the angels cannot even enjoy. We have it so good, don't we? And sometimes we just forget. But I'm thankful for a man like Peter that was inspired by God to speak and to write encouraging and uplifting words to remind us we are good enough because of Christ. And regardless of what we go through, insults and all, we can just praise God that we bear his name. He allows us to. You know why? Because he chose us. And when he chose us, it was all out of love. And if you look down at verse 11, couple of things that stand out to me about this passage number one salvation is so great that the prophets had to speak about it they told others they spent their lives telling the people about God's process of salvation and Peter goes on to remind us that it's so great that the prophets had to speak about it but the apostles they had to share it and it's such a great salvation, the angels had to see it. I mean, can you imagine an angel stopping down and looking to the earth to see more about this great salvation? I mean, think about all they have seen. They saw the ministry of the prophets. They saw Jesus fulfill each and every one of the prophecies concerning his birth and his life and his death and his resurrection. But now they have an intense desire to see what's next. Do you have that desire? Do you have that desire in your heart to see, Lord, what's next? What do you have next for me? Do we believe that he has something for us? We better. If he loved us so much that he went to the cross to die for us, do we dare not even believe that he has so many great things left in store for us? He really does. And every day of our life, it's almost like a new blessing is opened up and given to us by God. The blessings of Christ are so many. And so, Peter the fisherman and the believers that he preached to, 
had found a joy beyond themselves. They had found a joy that they experienced even when everything wasn't going okay. And I'm encouraging us and challenging us today long to see and experience a joy beyond self because it's there. May we never allow somebody or a circumstance or something to rob us of the joy that we have in Christ. Don't let anyone take the joy of Christ away from you. You know why? Because we sing a song about this. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Where would we be today without the joy of the Lord? So, not only do we need to pray for our young people, we need to pray for all of us. Because we all have trials. We all have persecutions. We all have sufferings that we go through. But praise God that we bear the name of Christ. Let's bow for a word of prayer. God, today I pray that you search our hearts. And I pray that you help each one of us come to know more of you. Father, so often we take your salvation for granted. We fail to search the depths and wonder of our own salvation. And we ask for your forgiveness, Father. And we pray that we can live a life experiencing this inexpressible joy that Peter talks about. May we live out your salvation with a real faith. And Father, may we follow in the steps of your Son day by day. I pray that you bless each one of us today. And as we depart this place today, may we go out and be a blessing to others. It's in Jesus' name that we pray today. Amen. Let's stand as we sing this song of invitation.